Welcome back to another episode of Sweatin' Bullets, a fantasy football podcast. I am your host, DF Beancounter. With me, as always, it's Jacob Sanderson. How are you doing tonight, Jacob? I'm doing good. We're back after a prolonged absence. Uh, Drew, I understand that you had an arduous road, arduous, arduous road to recovery. You were battling a lymph node injury. You were on the long-term disabled list. <laughs> You're on the physically unable to perform the pop list, the physically unable to podcast list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, I, I told you I was practicing the other night on the way home from work. I was like shouting into my steering wheel as I was driving. My, <laughs> my dog was with me. She was very nice. concerned about what was going on, but I was really letting everyone in the car know about my, uh, my thoughts regarding this David Montgomery signing. Yeah, what are your thoughts on the Lions' new workhorse running back? I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I I thought you might have that reaction. Yeah, well, it's here's the thing: David Montgomery, while not good, is also not terrible, and that's not really what we were hoping for from the. Well, let's say we. Let's just clarify what we're saying when we say things like we. We are do not mean you and I. We are not a we. Mm. Me, we is mm. me and all the mm. other DeAndre Swift stands waiting yeah. for the eruption that's Sad never people. coming. I'm okay. Listen, DeAndre Swift stands. It's not happening. We are not getting Christian McCaffrey at any point in time in the in oh, the near or forever future. It's just not happening. He's not that guy, and that sucks. But it like. Correct. How do I put it? It sucks, but it also doesn't matter because his price is reflected in this. Like he's not priced like he could be Christian McCaffrey anymore. He's priced at what is he now? RB thirteen, somewhere there. Yeah, he's priced. He's, he's the most expensive backup running back you can buy. He's uh, RB fourteen, ADP six oh seven. So he's going in the sixth round. For reference, running backs going in a somewhat similar sphere. One round on either side. We have Pollard and Nick Chubb. Up ahead of him, and then in the round sort of behind him, we have Damian Pierce, we have the big dog, Derrick Henry, and we have J.K. Dobbins, who uh, we argued about previously on this show. Some, yeah. some For rookie picks, if you want to put it in rookie picks, he goes currently between the 108 and the 109. So, like, all of this, when we're talking about running backs, is basically a range where we are not getting future Christian McCaffrey's. So the fact that DeAndre Swift isn't future Christian McCaffrey isn't really a big concern at this point. That ship sailed. I wish we would have got out two years ago. We didn't. That was Again, a calculated risk that did not work out. We just want to be careful on, on – and we really want to be precise about how we move. <laughs> so really what we're looking at now is I think David Montgomery is going to come in. David Montgomery is going to play a – I can dominate. He's not going to dominate. He's going to play a oh, role similar to the Jamal Williams role. He's probably not going to be as good as Jamal Williams was last year because he's probably not going to score freaking 20 touchdowns like Jamal Williams did last year. However, he is going to certainly mute the projectable ceiling of DeAndre Swift. Like We cannot, in any type of good conscience, project anything other than like third down, change of pace back for DeAndre Swift in the near term. That's what's projectable. What is appealing about DeAndre Swift at this point in time, which has always been what's been appealing, is that Christian McCaffrey ceiling in that if everything lines up. The point now, though, is that it's not going to line up on purpose. Nobody is going to go into week one with DeAndre Swift saying, he's our Christian McCaffrey, let's ride. If we get a Christian McCaffrey stretch out of DeAndre Swift, 
it will be in the form of contingent upside. You know, David Montgomery stubs his toe, and we get a four-game stretch of, you know, DeAndre Swift with elite receiving peripherals, explosive plays on the outside, and maybe just more touches in general. And those more touches might be on the outside, as I've been told he only runs well on the outside, which is fine. I don't really care because he runs really freaking well on the outside. So really what we're looking for, though, is at this point, contingent upside. We're just going to get a stretch of games where he could win us early. That's that's the appeal. Right. And the floor, though, is still relatively high. Like, he doesn't have a, a – how do I put it? He doesn't have a floor in which we're not going to have any use for DeAndre Swift. Oh, this I disagree with that. This isn't AJ Dillon where we're going to get eight points per game out of DeAndre oh, Swift. DeAndre oh. Swift is well, going to floor okay. somewhere in the neighborhood of 12, 13 points per game, pretty much regardless awesome. – He's going to certainly have that stretch if it happens where he scores 20 plus points per game. So it's, yeah, well, it's okay. all at this point, so it's all fine. Well, you've seeded enough ground on the DeAndre Swift workhorse point that I don't need to belabor anybody with the numbers. If you want to see my full thoughts on DeAndre Swift, you can check out Free Agency Running Back Reactions Part One <laughs> on my Substack, Thinking About Thinking. But the bottom line is with Swift, um, I've been pretty much in the same spot with my like player evaluation of Swift, and that's always separate than the dynasty evaluation to an extent. But the player evaluation on Swift has been pretty constant, I think, since after his second year, which is that I think he is a really fun pass catcher. I mean, we just talked about his like targets per run is through the roof. Even last year when he was under 50% route participation, he was giving you legitimate PPR value. When he's out there, they're constantly putting him in angle routes. They're constantly using him in wheel routes. They're giving him creative pass game usage. They want to funnel him the ball in the pass game. It makes sense. He's very proficient in that area. Um, my issues with him as a running back is that he's just not an effective decision maker. He consistently takes on more risk than necessary. He creates negative plays. He struggles to run inside. And so that's why you see him see touches. And that's why you see him perform better when he's given a reduced role like he had last year. What's interesting moving forward is, yeah, I, I agree with you in terms of like the median outcome. I think that the median outcome is we see more or less the same backfield that we had last year with a slight difference. Last year, what it really was, was a three-part backfield with David or with Jamal Williams, playing as the early down banger. You had DeAndre Swift as the change of pace guy and the long down and distance outlet player, pass blocking outlets of the backfield was more often than not Justin Jackson. And I think that Montgomery, he kind of brings both those Jamal Williams and the Justin Jackson roles. Basically all of the roles of a backfield that prioritize reliability over explosion. That's where Mr. Reliable David Montgomery gets to come in and play. The interesting thing is, Right. Jamal Williams was used not a ton, but like somewhat as a pass catcher in Green Bay. They never used him as a pass catcher in Detroit. David Montgomery, clearly a more versatile option. They paid him more than Jamal Williams winds up signing for. And by all accounts, he would have happily re-signed in Detroit if offered. What if they have something more in mind for David Montgomery? Is my question. What if they look at their offense and they say, like we have Jamison Williams now. We have one of the most explosive players in the NFL playing every snap for us, wide receiver that we didn't have last year. We have Amon Ross St. Brown, one of the premier slot wide receivers in the game. 
we're going to be able to create enough explosive plays in the passing game with our wide receivers. We don't need to awkwardly force feed this running back, hit this limited skill set, a bunch of touches in the short area of the field. We can just roll with one workhorse back who's usable in all aspects of the game, who's going to be able to give you sufficient production in the passing game, in the running game, and we just ride this guy. And DeAndre Swift, whatever, we're not re-signing him at the end of the year. Who cares if he hurts his feelings, whatever. He probably hurt his toe getting out of bed this morning. It's David Montgomery's backfield. David Montgomery has the highest points per game season than anything that either of these running backs have had, 17.7 back in 2020. And he's going in the freaking 11th round. I, I think David Montgomery has the opportunity, not a likelihood. I think the likelihood is he is usable and Swift is usable, and they're both in the low-end RB2 range. But you mentioned the contingent upside for Swift. What if Monty gets hurt? Exciting contingent upside for Swift. I agree with that. What if Swift gets hurt? Exciting contingent upside for Montgomery. But what separates it for me is what if they just decide that Montgomery is the dude and they just give him the entire backfield and from jump, he's just an absolute workhorse. I, I'm acquiring Dave Montgomery everywhere. I, I bought him four times like the last week. I just, I'm, I'm still fixated on one of the first things you said, which was, this was a three-headed whatever last yeah. year. Justin Jackson, Jamal Williams. And then just like quickly looked it up because I couldn't couldn't pinpoint why that he was playing outlet snaps. Couldn't pinpoint why that didn't quite sit right. And how you know David Montgomery is gonna come in and and uh he's taking away this valuable role from DeAndre Swift. And then when I looked, I saw that Justin Jackson had 3.6% of the targets last year. Yeah, well, he wasn't playing. I said he was playing on third downs to pass block and be an outlet. He, he wasn't in a fantasy useful role. On the he year. wasn't in a fantasy useful role. If David Montgomery takes those 12 receptions, DeAndre Swift is still going to be okay. No, I'm saying he's taking all of Swift's snaps potentially. I'm not I'm not talking about – I don't care about this Jackson role. Dave Montgomery is going to have both of those roles, right? The Jackson role is mostly a pass blocking role. Like he was playing 20 mm. to 30% of snaps every week. They were not high fantasy point snaps, but he was eating 20 to 30% of snaps each week. Mm. I think Montgomery is going to see Jamal plus Jackson's role as a base and Swift sees Swift's role as a base. And I think that you, you, you see pretty similar fantasy production from those two. What I think is more likely though, is that a, I think if Montgomery gets hurt, Swift's still in a split backfield. If you're seeding actual snaps to Justin Jackson, I don't think that they're giving you the backfield. Justin and Jackson had 15.6% snap share last year. In Look in the games. They started with Craig Reynolds. Then, the, then Craig Reynolds winds up getting hurt. And then Justin Jackson comes in. Justin Jackson, towards the end of the year, was consistently playing snaps. I'm going to pull up his share. He was at, starting week 9, 21, 27, 37, 25, 21, 29, 32, 21. That's never below 21, never above 37. Craig Reynolds, say, 20 to 30 percent of the snaps. Craig Reynolds, 7 percent of the snaps. Yeah, these are snaps. Like, do you want those when you're in a three? Do you want 20 percent of the snaps going to a third guy? Like, what are you talking about? DeAndre Swift still scored like 14 fantasy points per game, didn't he? Yeah, he was RB 26 in expected points per game. He produced you above that in that. points per game. You don't care about expected fantasy points. No, you care I about real care. fantasy points. I care. Okay. Do you think that he's going to score that many? Even if you think that he's going to score 14 fantasy points per game, he's useless. That's not helping anybody. It's an RB2 production. I don't think he's going to score that this year. I think he's going to regress the mean, and I don't think he's going to keep the role that he had last year. I think David Montgomery is coming for this role. 
I like Dave Montgomery's wow. baseline as he starts with, like I said, the Jamal Williams from last year and a little bit extra. But I think it, I think it is more likely than you give it credit for. I won't say it's over 50%, but I'll say 30 to 40% chance that David Montgomery completely owns this backfield with a healthy DeAndre Swift and that Swift plays 20 to 25% of the snaps. That is and a the rest really is all high David percentage. Montgomery. That is a really high percentage. What, 20 to 25? You think Swift should be on the field less? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> no, the the odds of your, yeah, your, your claim. I think it's 30 to 40, a 3 and 10 shot that if both backs are healthy, maybe not week one, but by the but over the course of the season, that D- David Montgomery continues to take away more and more of DeAndre Swift's share of the pie. And I'm not necessarily saying that as a sell DeAndre Swift. Like I don't actually care that much. Like if we're if we're accepting that DeAndre Swift doesn't really have projectable upside beyond mid RB2, and that his major upside is mostly either on his next team or if David Montgomery gets injured, then like whatever. The chance that he loses that standalone work and becomes worse like I, I don't even care that doesn't really factor into how i view deandre swift but it does factor into how i view david montgomery david montgomery goes in round 11 deandre swift goes in round six i would happily trade deandre swift for david montgomery straight up in dynasty i wouldn't think twice about it that is nuts you're nuts <laughs> uh, this is a good offense one of these running backs is a limited player who the team has continually told us. You're now. telling me that David Montgomery is not a limited player? Aren't you the efficiency no. guy? David Montgomery is not a limited player. David Montgomery, he's not limited in the way that he can be deployed. He's not an exceptional he, player. He is limited in the way that he can actually score fantasy football points by like, he I don't scored know, a rushing. He scored 17.7 per game. He was the number one overall player in opportunity share that year. If you give yeah, anyone the number one overall with opportunity share, they're going to score 70.7 fantasy points. That's the worst possible number one overall opportunity share score you could possibly have in the history of football. He's the worst number one overall opportunity share player, period. This is a limited player. He has okay, no so explosion. Once you come back to being, once you come back to being this is your thing. Explosion is your thing. Explosion's not my thing. Oh. Explosion's not my thing. Look, I don't. I'm not in love with David Montgomery. I don't think that he's an exception. I think he's player. a great price. I can get behind you on that. I don't think he's an. Okay, good. I don't. I want to be clear. I'm not like a David Montgomery stand. Okay, no, I think stand. David Montgomery. Stand of. <laughs> yeah, I think David Montgomery is an entirely average runner in all respects. But that's pretty good when you're talking about a fantasy context, right? What do you always say? Like one of the most attractive things about a running back is the ability to stay on the field, right? And that's, that's what I always say. I think that is what you say. You don't say that. You don't like. I say it's the catch the passes on, on all three downs. I say the most attractive thing about running backs is when they catch passes. Did that's the thing I like. Passes. He's not DeAndre Swift, but he can absorb targets. His like highest target share is like twelve percent in his life, which is useful. Which is like gets you to a David number Montgomery one overall opportunity share. David Montgomery has a sixty-eight target season. They must have passed a lot of footballs that year. That must have been in the pre-Justin Fields this is, era. <laughs> this is all the take on David Montgomery. David Montgomery, absolutely average. The one year. Outside of 2020, he had really strong rates across the board. Otherwise, he's been minus 0.1 to minus 0.2 in RYOE 
all three of his other years between 65 and 70 in PFF rush grade, all three of those years between 35 and 40% over expectation percentage, he's league average. But there's something to be said for a league average running back who does it reliably, who gets what's blocked, and who doesn't have any obvious reason that a coach has to suck him off the field. He is capable in the passing game. He's capable in early downs. He's capable in goal line situations. That's it. I'm not saying he's a world wrecker. I'm not saying he's great. I'm saying he's a running back in a good offense who at the very least has a standalone role and contingent upside, and there's no game situation in which you can't play him. And he's in potentially a top five, top 10 offense that does not have a rushing quarterback and that uses running backs a lot at the goal line. And the only competition he has in the backfield is a guy who the coaching staff does not seem to like very much and who gets hurt very constantly. There are worse bets. In fact, there might not be better bets than David Montgomery in round 11. Okay, you know what? I'm fine with buying David Montgomery. I have no pushback on buying David Montgomery. I have Hell tremendous yeah. pushback on I would rather have David Montgomery than DeAndre Swift straight up. I have tremendous pushback in that regard. Okay. Like, I'm glad. Like, I can't I can't even put into words the level, the degree of pushback I have on that take. But it's a lie. I can't. I cannot even. I cannot even. I am, I am Captain Holt right now. I cannot even. Okay, can I make one? really quick clarificatory statement to the people yes would i rather have david montgomery than deandre swift and dynasty in a vacuum yes i am not recommending that you the people take your deandre swifts and trade them for a player that is five rounds lower than adp i want to be very clear about that I f- just like you always tell me upside comes from you know I don't. I don't even know what you think it comes from. Like I thought it was. I thought it was like rushing efficiency. No, comes primarily from touchdowns and receptions. Interesting. D- do you disagree that touchdowns and receptions are two big parts to scoring fantasy points? The running. They're back? the only part. Two biggest parts. Those are the only parts. Yeah. Which is why Dave I don't Montgomery. care if players are rushing are efficient rushers. Right, but teams care if they're effective runners. And Dave Montgomery and DeAndre Swift is a defective runner. And Dave Montgomery is Dave Montgomery's not an efficient runner, but he's an effective runner. He executes the play. Yeah. I I just checked because I thought one of the things you were into was like breakaway run rate and that kind of stuff. And he's just like under two percent. Like it's near zero. I'm not sure if if you name search me in the Discord and then type breakaway run rate. I, I, I thought that was part of your explosion thing. Like I thought that's your like, he's so explosive. I thought that was like based around this, like you know, he has long what runs thing. thing. What, 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 you mean, what, what long runs thing? What thing are you I don't know. Do? I'm just I just to, thought that's I'm what you like. Players. You don't know what I like. I like Dave Montgomery Obviously. right now. Like his price. <laughs> awful. Um, so bad. <laughs> you agree. Okay. You think he's he's so bad, but in Dynasty, at his cost, he's totally worth a flyer. Like he yeah. The same argument that I made for DeAndre Swift being like, – he, he has a much higher ceiling in the case of contingent upside because he's probably going to see you know 15-plus percent target share. David Montgomery is never going to see 15% target share. He might get to 12 if he's lucky. But, but here's the thing. Here's other running backs that are going in – right. he goes directly – he goes one pick before Brian Robinson. Like You want to knock 12% you target should, share? You can knock 12% absolutely. target share. Brian Robinson might not see a 2% target share. Like David Montgomery is not a good pass catcher. He's not a special pass catcher, but he's a guy that you can leave on third downs and dump balls off to, and he catches them, and coaches will do that. Like He can get 50 to 60 targets in a season, and it's not shocking anyone. Whereas like you look 
And then, you know, you go up the board, right? He's two rounds behind your James Cooks, your Tyler Algiers, your Isaiah Pacheco's, even though I kind of like Pacheco. All these guys, right? Montgomery has higher upside than these guys, I think. It's just those wait, guys are younger, wait, so it seems like they have wait, higher upside. Stop. You can't say things like David Montgomery has higher upside than James Cook. <laughs> are we getting into James Cook? Well, I think we probably should. Signing. All right, let's get into the next big <laughs> signing. Um, this is a happy moment for us because on our last not our last episode, but our running back focused episode in the offseason, we talked about some of our biggest sells, some of our biggest buys. One of our biggest sells was Jim Cook. And one of our biggest buys for very cheap was Damian Harris. And so wasn't it a great day at Bulletproof headquarters when Damian Harris was signed by the Buffalo Bills? What do we think of this backfield? I mean, this will be a short section. I assume we're just going to put a little dust on Jimmy's grave and get out of here. What do you think? Pretty much like it, it was the best part of James cook was his last name. You probably and really like James cook, right? Cause him and the other shift are kind of the same guy. Explosive. No, they're not at all the same guy. You know, not even a little bit. Catchers, probably pretty limited in the run game. Probably both probably round two picks. Both yeah. round two. You know, James cook and Dalvin cook probably had both went to Georgia. Them. They both went to Georgia. They both went to Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> They're muted for production by Georgia. Georgia doesn't let the running backs touch the ball very much. Yeah. I think that we probably could have spun a good narrative for James Cook, and yet we chose not to for some reason. It might have something to do with, like, I don't know, any of the things that we actually look at that tells us if James Cook is good. And none of them said that he was. And that, other than proximity to Dalvin Cook, he, he knows Dalvin Cook very well. I suspect his sleep schedule, he probably copied Dalvin's. His diet probably copied Dalvin. So he has an NFL like, like regimen, if you will. Yeah. But uh, beyond that, it was pretty rough. You know, he's only 199 pounds. I can't imagine wanting a running back that's only 199 pounds. Yeah. We'll get into that shortly. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't think there's much to talk about with um, Dalvin Cook, to be honest. Uh, or James Cook. Um, <laughs> well, either, really, at this point. Either. Yeah. We can we can write them both off. Uh, no, da- James Cook, it's whatever. I mean, I'm not like that excited about Damian Harrison Dynasty. I'm, I'm excited in the sense that he cost nothing. Like he was basically trading for like a mid third prior to this. Um, if you can now get out of Damian Harris for like a mid second, I would happily do that. Uh, you know, the deal with Harris, like he's probably going to be their goal line back. He's probably going to get most of the early down carries. He's going to lose some of them to James Cook in certain formations. Um, probably not going to catch any passes, even if James Cook goes down. He probably won't catch that many passes. Um, So, like, what are we hoping for for Damian Harris? We're hoping for 12 to 15 carries a game max and hopefully 12 touchdowns, which is, like, I don't know. He'll be interested to me in best ball. And, like, from a dynasty perspective, he's probably the guy that, like, if you have to start him at RB2 in a pinch, it's not the end of the world. Probably get 60 yards rushing and hope for a touchdown. But, um uh, you're not planning your team around him as an every week starter. Yeah, like best case scenario for Damian Harris is exactly what he did in 2021, which is like a thousand yards and like 15 touchdowns. Yeah. He's going to be a back end RB2, and you'll be thrilled because you got him for basically free. Uh, that's like the peak. I wouldn't say that's the median outcome. That's not what I'm expecting. That's like if everything goes really well for Damian Harris. I think it's going to be hard to score 15 touchdowns in Buffalo because I think that uh, Josh Allen probably is going to score quite a few. Uh, although, was that 2021? No, that was Mac Jones' rookie year, right? 
Yeah, it was Mac Jones. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait yeah, a second, did he score 15 touchdowns with Cam Newton? That's wild. No, it was the it was the Mac Jones year. So yeah, yeah, it's just yeah, it's just not going to be great for Damian Harris. It's not going to be great for James Cook. This is probably about the best case we I mean, could probably going to be about the same, right? It's pretty easy to it's pretty easy to see what their backfield's going to be. Yeah, like each of these guys is clearly better than the other at one thing. They're going to split it. And the the problem with this backfield is like we talked about the Lions. Like I'm quite confident that if DeAndre Swift got hurt, Montgomery would walk into an eighty percent opportunity share. I'm less confident what DeAndre Swift would have if Montgomery went down, but his role would certainly get a lot bigger. Uh, I don't know how much either of these running backs' roles change if the other one gets hurt. To be entirely honest, like I feel like, I feel like it's equally likely that if James Cook gets hurt, they just like sign Duke Johnson off the practice squad and give him the third down snaps. And if Damian Harris gets hurt, they probably like I don't know reacquire Zach Moss or something. Like I just don't think either of these backs are ever going to be getting eighty percent of the snaps in a backfield, which is fine when you're Damian Harris and you cost around three pick. It's not fine when you're James Cook and you're going at like an early second rate. But um, yeah. James I actually, I actually, I actually roster one. I, well, I don't anymore, but I actually, here's an example. We just talked about these two backs. I rostered one James Cook because I got him at like 207 in a, uh, in a dynasty startup or dynasty rookie draft that's in a league with like all their analysts. So he just fell way behind ADP. And I was like, fine, I'll take James Cook. Um, it was my only James Cook. And I traded him for David Montgomery this week. I play I play in a tape versus data league actually, and I had a similar thing happen with Kadarius Tony. I had one Kadarius Tony uh, in his rookie year, and it was in that league, and he just like kept falling. And I was like, "There's a bunch of film guys in this league, so I'm just going to take them and see if I can unload them." And sure enough, it didn't take very long, and somebody wanted him. I don't remember who it was, and uh, I no longer have any Kadarius Tony. Oh, I have a lot of Kadarius Tony. I'm pumped for this season. It's a bold strategy. Yeah, he's going to be one in KC. Um, all right. <laughs> Chicago Bears backfield. Do you want to talk about the Bears backfield at all? I don't know. I don't think it's the most interesting. I like I don't, a lot of the I players. don't think it's done yet. I like Deontay Foreman. Okay, that no, it's done. Stop this. Why Why do you take the opinion that, that teams should do bad things? Like they've assembled in a fantastic cost-effective backfield. Why, why would they need to do anything? They can add a satellite back. They want to add a satellite back. But why, they're not going to add another rusher. They already have two phenomenal rushers. They're probably going to add Bijan Robinson if the Falcons pass on him. No, they are not going to draft Bijan Robinson. They, they have, like, you if you can build a cost effective backfield, what are you going to say? I, I was going to say, do you think Bijan Robinson goes in the first round? Do I think he goes in the first round? Yeah. 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 Is that because the Cowboys are picking at like 25? Uh, 26, I believe. Um, 26. I don't know where. I, I don't know where Bijan. Sure, they get him. Yeah, potentially. I don't know where Bijan Robinson goes. Like, I, I don't know. I think, um, the team that I keep circling is the Washington Commanders. <laughs> that sounds about right. They should, they should trade everything for Lamar and then also draft Bijan. I just keep sir. I so here's my reasoning. I could see Atlanta doing it. But, I mean, one of the sole benefits that you get out of having Arthur Smith as your head coach, it's like, say what you want about him, but the man schemes a good running game. Like, you can, whoever you put back there, they're going to have an effective running game. They just spent $100 million on a guard, presumably to have a good running game. Um, 
you're just not getting that much surplus value out of drafting a special running back to Atlanta when you can probably have one of the most effective running games in the league with Tyler Algier and whatever other scrubs and just trust in Smith and your guard play um, to get that done. Chicago, it would be like just dumb and they're not going to do it. Like Khalil Herbert, we don't know what his point of diminishing returns is. Like that's try to how I try to frame it with some of these really strong fancy stat backs in smaller samples. But Khalil Herbert over the past two years has been one of the most effective running backs in the league per touch. And there's just no reason to siphon off any carries of what he's been able to demonstrate. If you don't think he can grow that role, fair enough. But you want to keep him in a role. He's been able to provide a ton of real-life value for you. Now you bring in Deontay Foreman, who's kind of the same thing. You have two running backs who haven't been able to top much over 200 carries. But over the last two years, they've both been two of the most effective running backs in the league. There are two of only eight running backs who've averaged over three yards after contact per attempt in the NFL. All the other ones in the sample are basically just the best running backs in the league. Um, two guys that have each had it is like listen do you want to guess the list do you want to guess the other six no. it's just it's literally just studs it's literally just absolute studs now i have to pull it up but the only eight running backs in the league that have been over three yards after contact per attempt in each of 2021 and 2022 you can see how long it's taken me to scroll this up by how much i'm stalling are Deontay Foreman, Khalil Herbert, Jonathan Taylor, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, Ramondre Stevenson, Tony Pollard. Eight best running backs in the league. Um, point being, they can easily get 400 carries of top-level play out of these two running backs. The only thing they need is a satellite back. There's, they're not drafting for John Robinson. They're not going to draft another early-down runner until day three at worst. I will believe it when I see it. I believe that one of these teams is going to take Bijan Robinson probably in the top ten. Oh uh, yeah, I'm betting over that. I think he goes round one. I don't think he's going in the top ten. If you if you looked at grinding the mocks lately for Bijan Robinson, well, I don't, I I don't like. I think that people who do mock drafts like to pick the flashy players in the mock drafts. Like I think that's why we see some of these quarterbacks fall a little bit mock too high. We see running backs fall Mock's a little bit mock too high. Wildly accurate on quarterbacks, except for last year when. The bad ones. No, we've seen this before. We used to see we used to see mocks that had like Brett Hundley going sneaking into back round one. He goes like round five. Remember the Jimmy Clawson year, the Ryan Mallet year. It happens with one quarterback every couple of years. I I wouldn't be totally surprised if Levis is a guy who falls a bit. Um, He's obviously going to fall because he's. Peter Robinson's going to go in round one, but I don't think he's going in the top ten. Okay, let's just quickly talk about quarterbacks and. EDP yeah. from grinding the mocks in 2018. We have Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, and Josh Rosen all as top 10 picks. They're correct. Lamar Jackson was at 18. He went at 32. Big drop. One guy fell half around. 2019, we have Kyler Murray at one. Dwayne Haskins at well, 10. Daniel Jones at 15. Where was, uh, was that the 19. Drew Locke? Right. He goes around Big two. fall. Big fall. 2020, we have Burrow at one, Tua at four, Herbert that at year, ten. They all mostly went, and they all basically probably. Went there. Yeah, Love went at twenty or was twenty-four. He went at was he yeah, twenty-seven or something? I don't know. And, okay, and then twenty twenty-one, we have Lawrence one, Wilson two, Mac at five because everyone thought the 49ers <laughs> were going to take him. Yeah, that was and the only one I ever made money Wilson. on Trey Lance. 
That was what's up? been all downhill since then. I yeah. said that was the only time I ever made money on Trey Lance was was betting him third overall, and it's been all yeah. downhill since then. But uh, it's been a rough, it a good rough night. course. Uh, Justin Fields at eight, Trey Lance at nine, all top ten picks except for Mac, who fell, you know, ten picks. Well, let's talk about that. Twenty twenty two, Malik Willis seventeen for the mocks on this one, and just cratered to yeah, round three because he's terrible. Desmond Ritter, actually, Desmond Ritter was thirty six. I thought he was higher. I thought he's being mocked in the first. Anyways, well, thirty six. Sometimes he was in the first. Sometimes he was in the second. Turned right. out he was so in anyway, the third. My my point merely. Oh shoot! I closed it. I think my point was simply if you look at Bijan Robinson on like the player charts and like the actual where you can see if it's a expert or a like what do they call it uh fan or media mm-hmm. the expert mocks since like january are like top five boom 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 like experts are all saying Bijan top five it's wild i Nobody's wish you could in the top five there's not a single mock that's saying he's going in the top five apparently there's a lot of them should, should check out the website. Are you looking at big boards? Because there's no mocks that are mocking the top. I'm five looking here. at grinding the mocks. I don't know where they're getting the data. I don't data. know what grinding the mocks is looking at, but I read each mock draft that comes out. None of them are mocking Bijan in the top five. You're seeing Bijan Atlanta at eight. You're seeing Bijan. You can find Bijan Chicago at nine. You can see Bijan Philly at ten. You can see Patriots fourteen. Washington sixteen. There's no Bijan Robinson. Who to the Colts? Like there's no one's mocking Bijan Robinson to the Cardinals. I don't know who's who I don't know who is making these mocks. I know that grinding the mocks is calling them experts, okay, though. Well, well whatever like, grinding the mocks says. Like here's the thing when you look the at the big boards, doing... when you look at the big boards, he's on everybody's top five of their big board because they're just ranking the best players. And they think he's one of the best players. He's, he's top five of the big boards. boards. He's not top five in rows. Well, he's then grinding the mocks is counting big boards. This is the problem, Drew. You're a slave they to the data. You're not using your mind. They're not idiots. Maybe they are. They could be. Use it's your possible. mind. Use your mind. He's not going in the top five. He might go in the top oh, 10. I don't think he's going to go yeah, in the top it's, 10. It's rough. It's, he's looking like he's going to go in the top 10. So let's let's talk about this. Bijan Robinson is the Grim Reaper over this free agency period where every running back that looks like they may have escaped awaits and fear Bijan Robinson. And it really is like levels of fear, right? Whoever, Whatever running back you like, well, the competition doesn't come in. It's the three levels of fear. It's like, okay, if they draft B. John Robinson, it's night-night. It's over. You know, if they draft Charbonnet or they draft, you know, whoever else, even Gibbs, it's like, oh, well, that's bad. But, like, it's not, like, super death sentence. And then it's like, okay, if we get to day three, we can relax. Whatever, they're just drafting a backup running back. Who, who are the guys that you see as the most likely running backs to get either Bijan or, if not, Bijan? Gibbs, Charbonnet, right? These are probably the three running backs that we feel really confident about going day one, probably Bijan, day one, maybe Gibbs, certainly round two for Gibbs, and Charbonnet probably either round round two or early round three. Um, I think that... Devin Chain probably goes day two, too, but I don't think anybody's that scared if Devin Chain joins their backfield. No, he's whatever. I think the... Like, the player I would be most afraid of, I think, are... like. Like Tyler Algier, like if you have a Tyler Algier and you're not selling him right now, I think that you're making a grave mistake because I think he's fetching like a reasonable price. And yeah, he's I don't he's what's that? I just I just wanted to be clear. I've I've advocated for buying Tyler or Algier in the past, 
And I just want to be clear that at the time that I did that, his ADP was around 12. His ADP is now around eight. I'm no longer buying Tyler Algier. I'm selling Tyler Algier. Yeah, I think that it's like, like I think if, I always think of it from like what happens, what's the worst case scenario? Bijan gets right. drafted. Tyler Algier is completely nuked. He's Elijah Mitchell at that point. So he's around He's four Elijah Mitchell. And if what happens if they don't pick anyone? Like, let's say Tyler Azure survives the draft. Right. What's the best that happens? I don't know. We get a he RB2 probably goes up around. That's yeah. That's the problem is the ceiling's not really there. Like, they're gonna probably use a stable of backs. He's like, he's not like a stone zero in the passing game, but he's certainly not much of a pass catcher. So yeah, like he's. Yeah, he's you're you're like, not winning. You're not winning that much. Like you, you definitely want to use his value and move up for sure. I would think it's he's kind of like DeAndre a David Montgomery at best, you know? Yeah, and he might not even be that. I mean, David Mon- not every running back get a 90% opportunity share. That's true. <laughs> not every player. coach is dumb enough to give David Montgomery a 90% opportunity share. <laughs> okay, so I think, like, honestly, I think the Cardinals are, like, a, a sneaky pick, not because they're going to take him at three, but I think <laughs> they could trade back from three to, like, I don't know, maybe Atlanta trades up to three. And then they're sitting at eight. They take him at eight. Like I think that could no, happen. I can see that. I can see Connors the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals are going to take a running back in the first two days. I'm I'm not sure like how it lines up to be Bijan just because they're at three and Bijan's certainly not falling to 35. But I I do I do see that path. Like they bring in Matias Ford. He comes from the Titans, right? There's no organization in the nfl that values running backs and running more than the titans right so he's oh, yeah. like <laughs> they, they oh, want to yeah. run <laughs> they want to run they want to run with run one running back and, and they want and they believe that that is the path to enlightenment so like you, you have to think that that uh, running back is high on his list of priorities um we'll see i i think that if not Bijan, you know gibbs becomes in play at 35 for sure and you know, Charbonnet certainly, like, they have that really early round three pick. That seems like it's in the sweet spot for a Charbonnet pick. I, I would love that. That'd be a great spot for Zach Charbonnet, just to come in and get a bunch of touches. I love that. I think there's actually, like, four like four or five picks in a row here. Like, Atlanta, Chicago, Philly, Tennessee, Houston. Like, I can see I, any I of them. Philly is going to do it. I think Philly, if, look, if somehow I'm more correct than you are about where Bijan goes – and Bijan is still on the board at 30, I could see Philly being like, fine, fine, we'll do it. If we have I don't to. Think, <laughs> I don't think that Howie Roseman, like if there's any general manager I trust to make good decisions, it's Howie Roseman. And I know that if a Dyko's listening to this, he'll be like, you don't know how he's making what decisions, whatever else. But the Eagles draft smartly. Like you look through Howie's drafting history. He doesn't always make the right pick, but he historically takes players at the positions that are the, of the highest leverage positions. Like Jerry and, Jones. <laughs> like him recently but how we have a pretty long track record like he's been doing this for over a decade and he's has one of the highest rates of taking high level positions i can't see him doing it at 10 man i really can't see him doing it i, I could see him being tempted i don't think so i i like I, and this is where i'm coming from with like my i don't be a bummer by the way that's just a bad landing spot for him like from a fantasy perspective it's not a lot of fun yeah it's yeah no it would not be my favorite but it like it's i think i think that stretch like that eight through 12 stretch or eight through 11 or whatever it is i don't think that would be shocking to me that he goes there uh it wouldn't be like, shocking no i wouldn't be shocked the only fact one shocking is chicago uh, okay, I'll put it. Who's the who's the eight to eleven stretch? So we have Atlanta. Okay, I, I think Atlanta. Atlanta. I'll give them. 
I'll say 40%. Like, that would not be a surprising outcome for me if Atlanta clicked yeah. the beach on button. Uh, Chicago, I'll say, like, 10%. I don't think that's in play. Uh, I don't know. They got really raked over the coals for not having a real supporting cast. Oh, and I'm, and I'm phrasing these, by the way, I'm phrasing these not as, like, the percentage chance he goes there. I'm phrasing these as the percentage chance they take him if he's available. So when I'm saying 10 I'm not, like, saying Atlanta 40% and then Chicago is, like, whatever I'm saying, preconditioned on Atlanta not taking him, the Bears are on the clock, he's there, I'm saying 10%. Yeah, 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 that's that's what I would imply as well. Okay, yeah. I think you'd be higher. I think you'd be higher. Hey, yeah, you can go higher. You can go higher if you want to go higher. Let's yeah, yeah, I'd definitely, definitely go higher. Okay, I definitely what's your, go higher. What's your call? I'll say you Okay, Eagles, 5%. I'd put them a little lower, or not lower than you, but I'd put them lower than the other two. I think they're probably more like 15 Who's next? Titans? Titans. I think they're yeah. like, I think they're the team. If he gets to 11, I think they're going to take him. Cause I think Derrick Henry, they, I've heard, I don't know. I don't have sources. So yeah. forgive me, listeners. I don't have sources. This just came from a fake blue check mark. I don't know. But I have seen on Twitter that Derrick Henry is available via trade. And if the Tennessee Titans are trading Derrick Henry, they are very interested in Bijan Robinson. Bijan Robinson. But wouldn't it be funnier if if Bijan was the Derrick Henry and then Derrick Henry was the Demarco Murray? <laughs> that would be pretty funny, actually. Like if they and draft it's totally Bijan, if they draft Bijan and everybody puts Henry out to pasture, but then Henry holds him off for a year, he's like has his Demarco resurgence. That'd be a yeah, that'd be great. a really funny outcome. Yeah. Um, I I will give the Titans. 49%. That's pretty, that's higher than the Falcons. Yeah. I think if it gets to Tennessee, they're going to be heavily interested. Yeah. And then, uh, and then it's the Texans. And I just Those think the, the Texans. Texans I mean, I think the Texans, I think the Texans could do it for the vibes. Yeah. Right. Like, I, I, think think the, the, I think the Texans could be like, look, we are not good. Like, we're never going to win games. <laughs> Like we suck, we're the Texans. But here's this guy who's from Texas. We're the Texans. Like he's gonna sell jerseys. He's gonna put people in seats. He's gonna give people a reason to watch the Texans. Like, and all of a sudden, it's like we have Bryce Young and Bijan Robinson, and they're the fam- faces of the franchise. I I could buy that. I could see the Texans doing it for the vibes. Yeah, yeah. No, like I think that often that would be an ultimate. Talk- that would be an ultimate do it for the vibes pick. Like, because you're not doing it oh, for sure. for for. Yeah. Terrible real life pick. For like success. that would be the worst, the worst the outcome they could do. But they they were they're gonna do it because they're a really <laughs> dumb and b like it doesn't get better than the Texas Longhorns running back, one of the best running back prospects we've seen since like Saquon Barkley, like far far better than someone like Jonathan Taylor showing up to play for the Texans. Like it's perfect, and I think that they're they're pretty like. Yeah, they're not they're not wise that franchise, I don't think. Okay, you're talking me into this because I thought he might fall more. And then the last one, like I think if he's there at sixteen, I don't think you can keep Ron Rivera's hand off the button. Yeah, I don't think he gets a sixty. I didn't even really consider it sixteen, to be honest. Like yeah, I I really don't think he gets through that like murderer's row of like <laughs> bad or and or dumb and or like this is obviously <laughs> the big teams. Okay, you're talking me into it because I was really hoping for Washington. Like cards on the table, I, I don't think like I think it's under fifty percent that if he was there at twenty six that the Cowboys would take him. I, I think that they won't do that. I believe in them. I believe that they've turned a new corner, but I'm not going to say that there's no chance. I'm not going to say that I wouldn't be scared. I'm not going to say that if it's pick twenty six 
and Bijan Robinson's there and the Cowboys are on the clock, that, that my heart rate will be low, right? It'll be high. <laughs> my heart rate will be high. My sphincters will be tight. Um, I'll be a sweaty man. So this is this is good. This is what I want to hear. I want to hear all these teams in the 8 to 16 range clicking that button because that will make my draft night much more enjoyable when it happens. Yeah. I, I like. I don't think that. I, honestly, I think the Cowboys would probably take him if he's there at twenty-five or twenty-six or whatever they're picking. What are they picking? Twenty-six. Well, conceivable. Yeah, twenty-six. But I like. I really don't think he's going to get there. So I think Tony Pollard is probably safe. But uh, I. I just. Yeah. I can't. I can't see. Like I said, I can't see him getting through that. Like. Like five or six teams in a row where it's like, yeah, they could use a running back and they're dumb. Yeah, they could use a running back and they're dumb. Yeah, they could definitely use a running back and they're dumb. Like the Texans have to be like, I think that there's some truth to the fact that teams don't do the optimal things. And I think that in some ways it's probably for reasons that we don't really want them to do it. And I think the Texans thing is like, he's going to sell a hell of a lot of jerseys. And he's gonna put he's gonna generate a lot of interest in the team. And the Texans suck and they suck for a long time. They have a lot of bad publicity from the Deshaun Watson saga. Right. Like I just I just think it makes a lot of sense the Texans just plug their nose and push the button and like this is good vibes for, for the city. Let's go and we move on. I think that's possible. I, I think I, it's yeah, especially being in Texas and like they look at the Cowboys and it's always been like when they've had when they've been the most like fun. It's like they've had the quarterback and they've had the running back and they could be like, look, Bryce Young, B. John Robinson. That's like our Aikman and Emmett, right? That's our yeah. Romo and Zeke. That's that's you know. We'll get rid of triplet later. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But what do you mean they already have a triplet? They have uh, Nico Collins. Nico Collins, right, 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 right. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's, that's something. Like, Anyhow, all right. Um, let's talk about quarterbacks. Uh, let's talk about quarterbacks. Actually, first, let's read the ad. Drew, you got the ad? Look, the Houston Texans, are they making optimal choices? Maybe, maybe not. But if you want to make optimal choices when you're doing your sports betting throughout March Madness, you got to do it at DraftKings Sportsbook. That's right. The biggest tournament in college basketball is well underway. The final four is almost upon us, but the action is just getting started on DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top rated sportsbook apps. Right now, new customers, and seriously, how can you still be a new customer? How have you not joined? You can bet just $5 on any pregame money line bet and score $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. You can combine multiple bets for a shot at an even bigger payout. And DraftKings is featuring parlays and odds boosts all tournament long. Be sure to check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day to see what they have in store. That's right. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now with code TPPN. New customers can bet $5 on any pregame money line bet. Get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. As we know, I um, I root for the Tennessee Volunteers as my adopted team um, because Peyton Manning went there before, basically like when I was born. Then I also just started rooting for the basketball team. We had a good run. We beat Duke, and then we lost. We lost to uh, Florida Atlantic. Um, Florida Atlantic's off to the Final Four. Drew. Do you have a college basketball take for us? Have you ever seen a game of college basketball in your life? I have never watched a college basketball game. I've never watched an NBA game. I've never watched a high school basketball game. I don't know anything about basketball. 
I actually have a funny story. When I was, as uh, people know that both, um, people know that both Drew and us, both Drew and I are from Canada. And when I was young, I saw that UConn won March Madness. They won the NCAA tournament. And I was like, oh my God, like UConn? Like the province of Yukon, they won Forge Madness. Like that's so impressive. <laughs> <laughs> and then I later found out that it was in fact the University of Connecticut. And so ever since then, I always get excited. Um, and Yukon's back. Yukon territory is back. They're in the final four. They play Miami. I'll be rooting for them. Um, so I always have since I was a kid rooting for Yukon. And they're called the Huskies, which would like make sense if they were actually Yukon territory. It would make perfect sense. <laughs> anyway, so you can bet on UConn with code TPPN. All right, let's talk about quarterbacks quick. We were going to talk a little bit about wide receivers, but we don't have time. Um, what do you mean we don't have time? time? We got lots of time. We don't it's have only lots of time. Halfway through the show, <laughs> we don't have lots of time. Hashtag sorry, right. Matt. We the the free agent carousel. We the uh, Derek Harson already happened when we started. Jimmy Garoppolo had not. But I feel like we all kind of saw that one coming. Um, he signs the Raiders. Probably pretty good news for Devontae and Josh Jacobs because it could have been much worse. They could have been dealing with Will Levis or Anthony Richardson or God knows who. Or Jared Stidham. Confident. At least Jared Stidham, yeah. Um, look, really quick, and then we'll get into the most interesting quarterback battle that was just talked about today. But the sad quarterback battles, I want you to give your odds who you think is the week one starter first one baker mayfield your favorite quarterback in the nfl or kyle trask 60 40 baker mayfield um that feels about right to me now i thought you were a trask guy or just an (laughs) anti-baker guy yeah i'm not a trask guy Trask was getting first round hype back in the day. Like he, oh, as always right. Oh, I thought everybody was. No, no, this is, oh, this is pre-mock draft. This was in his season, and then he played his bowl game and was terrible. Everybody sat at the bowl game but him, and then he was yeah. awful. And he like just created like his draft hype just cratered after that. He was a, he was a Heisman contender, and it was it was wild. I remember that distinctly because I was playing Debbie at the time, and people were like, oh, should we get Kyle Trask? No, we shouldn't get Kyle Trask, and then and then it happened, and it was like, yeah, I dodge that bullet, and uh, and then famously, I've been touting Kyle Trask in the Discord all off season or all season because I'm like, ah, he's a second round pick, he's free, probably have him on your team, and here he is heading into Week One as, in a potential 50 yeah, 50 quarterback battle, so probably good. I, I, I'll say 55-45 to Baker, but I largely agree with you. I'm just basically saying that to, to say something slightly different, but I largely agree with you. I I think it's going to be Baker, but I would not be that surprised if it's Trask. That's that's where I'm at. I think it's going to be Baker to start at the very least. Like I, I think that's I, – I probably feel it's more than 60-40, but I was trying to hide my Baker-Mayfield uh, prior. I actually do think it's close. But uh, – I think that it's he's gonna have a short leash. Like his his career is now on a short leash. And with Kyle yeah. Trask, if they if they don't have another like if Will Levis doesn't fall in the draft, they don't take quarterback in round one. I, oh, that's the other thing. Like I'm I'm saying fifty five forty five under the assumption that it's just there's no one two, else. but I think I think if Will Levis gets to them, I think it's very likely that they click that button. 
I mean, he is terrible, so it's hard to know, but it's pretty, yeah, whatever. We're going to assume for this, this exercise that he's not getting drafted to the yeah. Buccaneers. And, we'll do that and in, in that case, I think it's probably more like 70-30 Baker starts. Okay. And then if Baker has like a, you know, a vintage Baker Mayfield performance from the last couple of years, <laughs> then he's going to get yanked and it's going to be Caltrass season. And Caltrass sucks, so it's just going to be like, <laughs> Terrible for the Buccaneers for the rest It'll of the year. Like the Panthers last year, where they just keep actually the Panthers yeah. like the last two years, where they just keep changing yeah. quarterbacks every three to four weeks. Yeah, through the USFL roster. It's um, gonna okay. be bad. Talk about, yeah. Well, the the Bucks are pretty depressing, but at least they won the Super Bowl a couple years ago, so you can't feel that bad. A team that is depressing by choice is the Washington Commanders, um, and their current quarterback battle is bulletproof Discord favorite Sam Howell. Versus low-key, pretty good league average quarterback last year, Jacoby Brissett. How would you handicap this one? I just I can tell by the way that you laid this out that your your Colts stand Colts fandom is just still shining through. Hard he to was, believe you're such a was Brissett. Not fan. very good for the Colts, but he was like pretty actually good last year. Like I'm not, he's not bad last year. I'm, I'm not saying that like he's gonna be that good again, but he was like actually pretty good last year. I'm fairly certain that he caught lightning in a bottle last year and he's actually more like what he was with the Colts. I uh, agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that it's probably I I uh, I don't know. This one's a lot closer for me. I I feel like it's probably 50-50, but I think that they should just go ahead and start Sam Howell for well, obviously, year. but you can't and just go with it. But they're idiots <laughs> and I just I, I can't rule out the fact they would just like play for 500 and go with Brissett. And yeah, I don't know. I this is a total toss up. If you're if you're asking from a dynasty perspective, I have no interest in Jacoby Brissett if he's starting or not. I'm very interested in Sam Howell if he's starting. Yeah, the only interest I would have in Jacoby Brissett if he's starting is like if I have Kyler and I'm like I need four weeks covered while I wait yeah. for this guy to get back and I'm just gonna put this guy to reflect. I mean the thing about Washington is like one if you try your hardest to remove like the Washington stink off of them. Whoever wins this is going to be throwing a Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, and Curtis Samuel. That's pretty darn good. Like, that's a really nice assortment of weapons. It's probably a top 10 wide receiver group in the league, honestly. Like 10 to 12, probably. It's certainly top I, half. If we're if we're counting all three, I, I don't even know that they'd get to 10. I think they're they're higher than right. that. Like, there's, like if Curtis Samuel is your wide receiver three, you got a pretty good wide receiver core. Right. It's a good crew. So... Um, it's definitely a nice situation to be in. And Eric Bieniemy is quite plausibly a great play caller. We don't really know yet, but I think we have reason to be optimistic. So there's some upside here. Um, I wish that they would just give it to Howell because that's obviously what they should do. But I I just don't have any belief that like they're going to be taking... Like I'll put it this way. Ron Rivera is not going to be taking the long view. He's not going to be like, What's the best direction for the franchise? Like he's coaching for who do I think will win week one? And I think the answer to who has the best chance to win week one might even be Sam Howell. But I feel like Ron Rivera's sole priority in this decision is like who's the least likely to throw an interception. Um, like I just think that's like the number one driving factor. So I'm going to put it 60-40 to Brissett. Although I hope that it's Howell. I would like it to be Howell. That is like what's better for society. But I just think Rivera is going to see... Rivera's gonna see, here's what's gonna happen. Like they're gonna be in camp. Brissett's gonna throw some dumb interception and he's gonna be like, ah, oh, my bad. He's like, ah, oh, that's the veteran. You know, he's just testing out the defense. And then Howell's gonna throw some interception and be like, this kid just can't hack it. <laughs> I think that's just what's gonna happen. 
that's totally exactly what's that, that is that is like uh a, a, a shot into the inner dialogue of one ron rivera <laughs> it's so true i there, there's no greater what would be the word evidence that ron rivera is very much interested in winning on the next day than when they <laughs> literally passed on Tua Tagovailoa and justin herbert although i wouldn't have taken justin herbert but they passed on Tua Tagovailoa and took a defensive end when they had dwayne haskins who was terrible <laughs> Yeah, and like um, R.I.P. Dwayne Haskins, but like that was a terrible decision. And I don't I think Rivera ever since then, by, all, by all account, that was an ownership decision. I don't think that Rivera was pushing back very hard on it. Well, if it was an, I'm not decision. sure that he was. I, I mean, I'm not. He may have fully agreed with it, but I imagine he was quite happy with Chase Young. Um, I imagine he would have been even happier if he could have started Chase Keenum instead of Dwayne Haskins. He was he was probably really excited to get Alex Smith back in there. Um, I bet he was. Yeah. I was like, Alex, like, get in the gym, man. You got to get that leg figured out. We we need somebody to dump off these four-yard passes on repeat. Let's talk about the last one, my favorite quarterback in the NFL versus um, one of my least favorite quarterbacks in the NFL. I, I get, like, an irrational hatred towards the backups that are bad that people think are cool. Like, nobody thinks Jacoby Brissett's cool or good or fun, so, like, I like him. But like I've always just despised Gardner Minshew because like people are like this guy is so cool why doesn't he get an opportunity like he's not that good and then Taylor Heineke is like a worse version of Gardner Minshew actually um, but people were like this guy's so good and like he's not he's bad his his like across the board his stats were the same as Carson Wentz last year they just magically won a lot of close games with Heineke and they lost a lot of close games with Wentz maybe that's because of his swaggering personality who's to say but um. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Heineke gets slammed by the Atlanta Falcons, competing with Desmond Ritter, or as Drew might refer to him as Desmond Mitter. And um, yeah, he's going to win this uh, quarterback battle. The chosen one or Taylor Heineke? It's going to be Ritter. Like, come on. It, it's definitely Ritter. With, with it's Ritter. The, only, the only way that Desmond Ritter is not starting week one is if they foolishly draft a terrible quarterback in round one at number eight. They might do that. They could. It's possible. I I don't think that they will though. I think so. I think if they Richardson can't because they got to take Bijan. I think if Richardson falls to them at eight and they like Richardson, which maybe they don't. I don't know. Like I have no idea what they think of these quarterbacks. But I can see a scenario where if they if they are optimistic on Richardson and he falls to them at eight, they say, look, this guy he's got the physical traits. He gives us a ceiling that Ritter does not. We have to take the plunge on this guy. But if it's Levis, like I don't know. I just feel like. Do they like Ritter that much? Probably not that much. They only drafted him in round three, but they did draft him, so they obviously like him at least a little bit. Um, like, oh, do they like Levis? I have no idea. Are they just going to, like, I just, I don't know. Like, are they going to look at Levis, who doesn't really have, like, he's large and whatever, and he has a big arm, but he's not, like, some supremely mobile super athlete like Richardson. Like, do they look at Levis and be like, this guy is enough of a game changer that we need to do this. Like, I just, I don't know. I'm just not sold that they do that. I feel like they'd be like, okay, it's one young quarterback with flaws and we already have a young quarterback with flaws. So why don't we just see if ours is any good? Like I, that's, I don't know. I don't get the Will Levis to Atlanta thing. That's because you're thinking about it from your lens. You need to think about it through Arthur Smith's lens. Arthur Smith would never want, he would rather run the wildcat. You think he even wants a quarterback I mean, on the I roster? It's gonna be Anthony Rich. He's not gonna throw the ball anyway. Rich just can't throw the ball. <laughs> well, I think if Richardson's there, I think they take him. But I don't think Richardson will be there. Um, yeah, I think it's probably Ritter's job to start. Um, Heineke isn't any good, and 
I don't know, Rear's not that great, but I, I like what I've seen. And they had ample opportunities to get somebody better than Taylor Heineke. They chose not to. So, yeah, I feel pretty good about Rise Up Ritter. Milan is the 32nd easiest, sorry, 32nd hardest, the easiest schedule in the NFL this year. They're in a shit division. Do you want to hear how easy the schedule is? This is their schedule. Tell me. They play six games against the NFC South, which is horrible. That's the Saints twice, who are very mediocre. The Bucks twice, who suck. The Panthers twice, who suck. They play the NFC North, which is bad. They play the totally fluke lightning in a bottle Vikings, who have lost like 25% of their players. The Bears, who are probably better, but probably not that good. The Packers, who are definitely going to be a lot worse this year. And the Lions, who's everybody's favorite team, but they're not at elite. And what division do they play in the AFC? They play the AFC South, which is the Jaguars, who are pretty good. The Titans, who suck. The Colts, who suck. The Texans, who suck. And then they play a last place schedule. So they play the Cardinals, who suck. The Commanders, who suck. That's it. That's their schedule. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be really embarrassing. Okay. Desmond Ritter is terrible despite that schedule. <laughs> I, I say, like, sometimes I feel like these um, hype teams just wildly disappoint. Is Atlanta a hype team? I think I'm the no, only no, one no. hyping. You them. mentioned the Detroit Lions as everyone's right. favorite team. I'm I've said that like mockingly this year. I said that mockingly. Like, I think that the Lions, like, I can see why people are talking themselves into it, but like, I don't think that they're among the game's elite. They're quarterback by Jared Goff. I think, I, like honestly, I think they're gonna crash this year. Like, I, I, you make a great point. They're quarterback by Jared Goff. We've seen a lot of Jared Goff not being all that good, and we saw him be pretty good last year. I would take the under on Jared Goff being pretty good. I think he's like probably Andy Dalton at best. Like that's that's the Jared Goff career. Like we used to have the Andy Dalton line. We're gonna have the Jared right. Goff line. We don't already. It, that's what it should be. He's completely ordinary. The markets, the markets never like had a rational take about Jared Goff. Like after his rookie season, he was the worst quarterback ever. Then he was like a franchise quarterback. Then he was the worst quarterback ever. Now he's like a franchise quarterback. Like he's he's neither of those things. He's like a, he, I mean, he's a product of his environment, right? We've seen Jared Goff like Ben Baldwin always posts that chart of like Goff versus his protection, and like he's a very protection dependent quarterback. Like out of a clean pocket, he's capable. When things break down, he's a freaking mess. Um, and you know. Linemen get hurt. Linemen regress. It happens. Um, yeah, I think that Detroit's fragile. Like, I, I can see how they can be good. They're fragile. Their defense was bad last year for the most part. They kind of play a little better at the end of the year. Their secondary is better. They upgraded in free agency. But, like, their offense, like, they were a top-five offense last year. In theory, they can get better if Jameson Williams is good. But I don't know. It's kind of weird that they were top five offense last year. They had like one good offensive player. And it was a slot wide receiver. Like, well, no, they had very the as well. Don't forget. You know, well, yeah, he was typically making them better in some ways and worse in other ways. Well, he he was doing the thing that actually matters at the running back position, which is spa- splash plays. Uh, yeah, in the run game. The funny thing is, like his receiving ability that's so fun for PPR is like not good for an NFL offense. It's like five yards per target. No. No, he's getting more than five yards per target. Come on. Not sure. Maybe six. What's he getting? Um, it's got to be a lot. I don't know. I don't have it like off the top of my head. Well, I just figured if you're going to say things like that aloud for the masses to hear, it would have been, you know, based on knowledge well, of the situation. Probably five or six. If I had to guess. Oh, no. It's, it's going to be like 5.56. 5.56. 5.56. 5.56. Yes. Yards per target or yards per reception? Yards per target, 5.56. Yards oh, per catch, 8.1. I was, 
Yeah, I was thinking yards per reception. I'm an idiot. You're right. Oh, yards per catch, 8.1. I was like, he wasn't like not getting any yards. But yeah, yards per target is totally a different story. My mistake. Um, anyway, point being, I agree. I think that Ben Johnson's probably a great offensive coordinator, but what we usually see is that great offensive designers have like one to two years until defenses try to figure things out and then they have to evolve again. But um, yeah, I agree. I think the lines are pretty fragile. I actually, you guys want to bet on DraftKings Sportsbook? You know, my favorite bet is for coach of the year. Who's your favorite bet? 35 to one, Matt LaFleur. Here's the take. What if the Green Bay Packers, they get rid of Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love, Turns out he's actually good. They have Christian Watson. They have Aaron Jones. They have Romeo Dubs. They have a good o- offensive line. The Lions, we just talked about, pretty fragile. Vikings are not a good football team. The Chicago Bears are, I mean, they're going to be better, but they were the worst team in the NFL last year, so they're probably still not going to be very good. What if this team that was not in the playoffs last year wins the NFC North this year, and they go like 11-6 and six with Jordan Love? Matt LaFleur is winning coach of the year, 35-1. to one. That's a lot of faith for a quarterback we've never seen do anything promising in his entire life. He was really good for like 10 plays against Philly in garbage time last year. <laughs> <laughs> now that, that is cutting samples. Is this this like that, don't you feel like that game like completely changed the perception of Jordan Love? Like it was like prior yeah. to that game, everybody was like, Jordan Love is the worst. Like he's so bad. He can't play. He like had one start against Casey. He was awful. And then, like, he had that one game, and it was, like, they were down by, like, three touchdowns, and he hit Christian Watson in a stride on a slant, and he, like, took a 60 yards to the house, and it was, like, this Jordan Love guy. He might have something. And then all the reports <laughs> were, like, he's turned a corner. <laughs> <laughs> he threw, like, one nice ball. It was a slant route. I thought, so, wasn't yeah. it? I, I swear that you were just telling me about how Arthur Smith was going to be coach of the year. Was that not you? Yeah, I, I have... I have three coach of the year bets that I've I've hit. Yeah, I've hit um, Arthur Smith, Matt Lafleur, and Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll. I'm all. I actually have bet like everything Seahawks this year. I bet Seahawks to. I bet they're over under. I bet them to win the NFC West. I bet them to win the NFC, and I bet Pete Carroll coach of the year. That is it, like it sounds crazy to hear, but then when I think about that, NFC it's bad, because- dude. I used to think that team was that division was really good, and now it's like the Rams like terrible. It's the Rams suck, the Cardinals suck, and the 49ers are good, but they're like the most fragile good team ever, right? Like speaking of the 49ers, I think that's our last topic. Uh a report came out today about the fragile 49ers (laughs) that uh there's two reports today. I saw two. Well, I think it was all from the same interview. Oh, was it? I didn't know that. Yeah, John John Lynch gave an interview. Oh, okay. And he said uh, that it will be a quarterback competition, but and it, sorry, a quarterback competition between all three of Brock Purdy, Trey Lance, and Sam Darnold, but that Brock Purdy has earned the right to start based on his performance and his track record last season, and so right now, if healthy, he's the quote leader in the clubhouse, end quote, so- and. Let's first we can talk about what we think is going to happen, whatever. But I, I think we should talk about yeah, what to do with Purdy, what to do with Lance, and and I think I want to go deeper than like the buy sell. I want to talk about like what kind of rosters would you want Trey Lance? 
if you have Trey Lance, should you be trying to get Brock Purdy? How would you build a roster around Lance right now if nobody wants to buy Trey Lance right now? If you're selling, what are you selling for? You know, all these types of more interesting questions. But uh, you start. What's your take on the situation? Well, I just think that it was, like, believable right up until he said it's a three-man competition and then I no longer believed any of it anymore. It was like, if you're going to actually say out loud for people to hear that Brock Purdy, Trey Lance, and Sam Darnold are in a competition, then I no longer believe it's a competition. Like, I, I think at that point, you've lied to us, and I, I do not trust anything else you've had to say. Because Sam Darnold is not part of the competition. Uh, that's mostly just me ranting about how terrible Sam Darnold is. It's probably a competition. And uh, I think that if Brock Purdy were the winner of said competition that everyone in San Francisco should be fired today before they can even pretend to have that cover that competition. Brock Purdy, did he not tear his UCL? Yeah, he did. That's like a pretty big deal, isn't it? Like he's not like a, a multi-year recovery. And he's well, saying if you, have, that- if you have the Tommy John surgery, yes, but he got a separate surgery and I'm certainly a medical expert, so I'm not going to go into the details of it, but he got a I think it was like a reconstruct and repair. Oh, God, I'm butchering it. He got the six-month option, which is three months recovery and then three months rehab. So in theory, he could throw in three months and he'd be fully cleared in six months. Week one was almost exactly six months after the date of his surgery. So in theory, he'll be cleared to throw through training camp, unlikely to be cleared to play until almost exactly week one. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and just not even consider – Brock Purdy as a real viable option. And uh, I just, I just can't believe it. Like it just doesn't like the, like we're talking, I keep saying like, well, you have to think about what the team would do, not what we would do. But like the team had Jimmy Garoppolo and then said, let's spend three first to get Trey Lance instead. And then now what the team is saying is we should have just kept Jimmy Garoppolo. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. I, I just, I can't I imagine mean, that. What if they look at it as cheap? To play devil's advocate, what if they look at it as cheap? Jimmy we Garoppolo? never had an issue with Jimmy Garoppolo. The problem was his contract. Now we get Jimmy Garoppolo back, but we pay him like 800K. And so we can afford to extend Brandon Ayuk and pay Christian McCaffrey and go sign John Hargrave and all the other stuff. And we're just going to be the best team everywhere else. And we'll have serviceable quarterback play for the price of a punter. I mean, I guess it's possible. It's possible they're that dumb. It's possible. Is that dumb? Yeah, that's dumb. It's Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy's pretty good. Brock Purdy's not pretty good. He's he pretty bad. Pretty good. He's Did pretty you know he bad. He was 8-0 as a starter. Jimmy Garoppolo went 4-1 his first year with San Francisco. Threw for seven touchdowns and five interceptions. And then... The Dynasty community put Jimmy Garoppolo at QB2 in Dynasty after that wonderful performance. Anyways, we're we're not repleting that because we're not getting crazy with Brock Purdy, but uh it is I, I just I just I just cannot even like he's just such a uninspiring quarterback. Like everything you look at it, like none of it's inspiring. I think but he's a rookie, okay. so it's not supposed to be inspiring. I don't like it's it's okay. impossible. Okay. So I, I mean, I don't think that Brock Purdy is actually very good. Like I, I think when you watch him, I don't see some special superstar or anything like that. 
And when you see like how great his metrics are from like EPA, CPOE and that stuff, and then you look at his PFF grades, it lags. It's still good, like especially for a rookie, it's still good. I think he's graded at 77, but it shows that he's not actually playing as well on a play-to-play basis. And again, PFF is only grading you based on the positions you're put in as well, right? It's not blind. If you're put in better positions, you're going to have better PFF grades because you're going to be in a position to do good things instead of doing bad things. Like I don't think PFF grades actually do entirely I think it's impossible to entirely remove situation and his situation is obviously extremely favorable i don't really want to talk that much about purdy because like i to me like purdy is i don't know purdy's the least interesting part the fact that he was able to seem serviceable as a rookie in any respect means he's probably at least a serviceable quarterback um i'm not sure how good he is in terms of like how good he'll look it's probably tied to how much he's in san francisco he's not going to run that much as long as he's in san fran they're probably not going to throw it that much so he's probably a qb2 like he's probably more or less what jimmy garoppolo was which if you got brock purdy for nothing that's phenomenal but probably not quite as relevant to the dynasty conversation as lance with him like i mean in terms of what he is as a player the only bad take is a confident one at this point like we've never really seen a situation like this where you have a round three what or you're smiling. You used that already once today. I did. Yeah, I thought it was a banger. Yeah. You're you're re you're recycling. Like you need to give it some yeah. time to cool no, down. Oh, that was a good line. It was the a great line. Is a confident one. There you go. Bars. Yeah. yeah. The only bad take on Trey Lance is a confident take. Um, because we haven't really seen a situation like this before. We don't mean really know what he is. We have only seen him throw like a hundred passes. About thirty of them were oh, in a God. complete rainstorm, and whatever prospect evaluation of him that we had, no matter how positive it is, I think it's entirely reasonable to question whether or not we were wrong, whether he was good, but he's regressed, whether he's changed, whether he's injured, all these things are, are all relevant. So I think really what it comes down to is like, he's, I think that too much of the Lance conversation is focused on what's going to happen week one. Like when he was like nose diving during Purdy mania, and then Purdy injures his elbow, and he really cost recovered a little bit. At the very least, whether it reflected in ADP, it certainly reflected in the trade market, where um, you know I had bought Lance quite cheap a couple times prior to that Purdy injury, and then all of a sudden, um, the Lance shares that I had became more desired immediately after that Brock Purdy injury, where people felt more comfortable in him being week one. And really, I think all that was kind of artificial, just in the sense that this announcement, I think, is also artificial. The reality is, is whoever starts week one is just not the most important thing. If Lance starts week one, and the only reason he starts week one is because Purdy is hurt, and then Lance sucks, then it doesn't really fucking matter. Like, <laughs> if he sucks, he sucks. And if he's good, but Purdy plays week one, like, he's probably going to get another chance somewhere at some point. Like, he was still the third overall pick. Quarterback market around the league is terrible. Some team is going to eventually trade something for him and give him a chance if the 49ers don't. So the most relevant question remains, is this guy any good? We don't really know the answer to that. So to me, it really just comes to like at what point in time in a draft is a quarterback who we have no idea if he's any good. We have no idea if he's going to start, but runs a lot. At what point is that a good bet? And like, unfortunately, pretty high because not that many players matter very much in Dynasty. And he's really good. So I'm fine. His ADP currently, although I I would wager that it's going to go down after today. Uh, but his ADP currently is 409. That's honestly fine with me. I, I don't think that that's under. I don't think that it's over. It's pretty much after all of the super elite veterans. It's pretty much after all of the rookies, year two guys that we have a ton of confidence in. I'm fine with that. 
But I've been trading Lance away more recently than for him, but I've only been doing it where I see it as ensuring my elite upside. Uh, I've done a Lance plus a bunch of stuff for Bijan on a team where I already had two elite quarterbacks, and Lance was my QB3. And then I've done uh, Lance plus stuff for Kyler, where I was turning, I had Watson, and I turned into my second elite quarterback being Kyler. So I'm willing to pay other stuff on top of Lance to keep that same ceiling. And then what I'm really sacrificing is the other stuff as much as it is the ceiling. I'm not as interested in selling Lance for other players in his valuation range or just a bundle of parts. At the very least, I'm not interested in doing that unless you already have two elite quarterbacks on your roster. But I definitely think like if Lance is on your roster, you, you 100% need to be making plans that involve him not playing games this year. Like you, you just need to be making those plans. If that means trading Lance, open to it. If people don't want Lance, make other plans. Like I have one team where Lance was supposed to be my QB two, but I was able to trade for Dak Prescott, and now I have Deshaun Watson and Dak and Lance, and my team can survive if Lance doesn't do anything this year. If Lance ends up being great, then awesome. Now I have three good quarterbacks, hopefully, and I can probably trade one of them at some point. Um. I think you have to be flexible and I'm willing to play both sides of it for sure. I think where I'm most willing to take shots on Lance, honestly, is like just teams that are kind of bad. Like, I don't know if you just shot in the arm and worst case scenario, you just wind up picking up one one again. Like what's the risk? It's not going to submarine your ability to win games this year. I, I'd take free shots on Lance in those spots for sure. Um, and by the other token, super, super elite teams where you have some value to burn, I'm probably taking shots on Lance. Teams kind of in the middle, I, I would be cautious about it. But, you know, some of it gets priced into the market. If you don't want Lance on your team and you try to do some trades and you can't get any of his value, then whatever. You're essentially holding him at a cheaper cost passively at that point. What do you make of it? Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like with, I'll maybe just touch on Brock Purdy first because I, Brock Purdy is being valued roughly around two oh two or so in rookie drafts right now. That's and fair. I think that's like a, I don't think that's fair at all. I smash oh. sell that every single time. Okay, I'm, I'm uh, fine with Brock Purdy for the two oh two. His upside is like Mac Jones. Like, like they're um, the same upside. Yeah, but if you put Mac Jones in San Francisco, he probably scores more fantasy points. He scores like 16 points a game. He scores, he scores what Jimmy Garoppolo scores. I mean, you might score more. Is it? It's definitely not impossible that Brock Purdy could be Kirk Cousins. And we saw Matt Ryan in a Kyle Shanahan system with good weapons score a ton of fantasy points. Like I, I think he has a, a reasonable ceiling. I think he at least has a low-end QB1 ceiling in a Kyle Shanahan offense with these weapons. Matt Ryan was leading the league in pass attempts. Brock Purdy is going to be at the bottom of the league in pass attempts. I mean, we don't know that for sure. Well, we could probably. We've seen like eight of his games. I'm not. I'm not going to like completely shut off ranges of his outcomes. I, I don't okay. think it's if, likely that he's going to pass a bunch. Brock Purdy is an MVP level talent. He will see more passing game usage than he did or Jimmy Brown. Matt Ryan has rarely been an MVP level talent outside. Matt of Ryan has passed for league high pass attempts his entire career. That's why the Colts passed so much last year and didn't let what's his name run. What's I can't even remember the guy's name. He he was not a very good prospect. He's merely bulletproof. They they barely let him run because they had Matt Ryan last year. You know, maybe if Matt Ryan was better, his teams would win games, then he wouldn't keep passing so much. <laughs> maybe. Maybe he was a better defender. He would stop them from scoring points. Yeah, he's like John Kitna. Yeah. Anyways, I like Brock Purdy. I, I'm just not interested in like a mid-range QB two at that price. And I, I don't think that he has Matt Ryan in his range of outcomes. Maybe he does. 
but it would be an outlier, and I'm just not willing to bet on that at that point. Yeah, I mean, I don't so, I'm not pretty I'm hard so I can't probably, I probably, he might become a hard sell for me after this news. I don't know where his ADP is going to settle up. Uh, as of, as of today, his ADP was in the 10th round. Uh, he was going next to Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, he was just behind Aaron Rodgers, going in similar ranges. Oh, no, never mind. I was going to say similar ranges, Jordan Love, but Jordan Love has been shooting up the board. Jordan Love is actually priced ahead of Mac Jones. That's insane. Um, anyway, um, Brock Purdy, similar ranges, Desmond Ritter. Uh, it's fine to me. The, the, spot where I would, the spot where I was most interested in acquiring Brock Purdy actually was on Trey Lance teams. Um, and it's interesting. I wanted to touch on this. I don't know if it's as relevant now because I feel like with the, the news swinging more towards Purdy, I feel like that's going to make his price go up and Lance come down. Maybe you're, maybe I'm saying you should acquire Lance on Purdy teams. I don't know, but I like the idea of rostering both if you can. Um, I'm not a running back handcuff guy. I don't like roster running back handcuffs, especially in seasonal, because you're spending like a 10th round pick just to make sure your round two pick at worst becomes a round five pick if they go down. And that's just usually really bad. But in this scenario, I think it can work out well. Like your best case scenario here is your round four pick, Trey Lance, starts for the San Francisco 49ers and is awesome for several years and is a round one startup pick. And your round 10 pick, Brock Purdy, eventually gets traded to some other team who's like, yeah, that guy looked kind of good. And then he sticks in the league for a few years and you get a serviceable QB2 for a few years out of a 10th round pick. And that's not that bad of an outcome. And that's a big win on both sides. Alternatively, Brock Purdy wins the job. And he floats on Shanahan High for a while and he sits in... I mean, why can't he be fucking Tua Tagovailoa? What's the difference? He could be Tua. He could be Nick Mullins. And he's a round three, round four, round five pick. And then Lance goes somewhere else, and turns out he's actually pretty good. And then you have like two, maybe not as high upside, but two starting quarterbacks. Anyway, point is, I think it's actually correlated positively, and at least protects your downside. Where you lose a running back in the league, bad. You can deal with it. Pick somebody up off the bench. You lose a quarterback in superflex dynasty. That's like, that's like I need to start making plans about how this season is going to go. Range if you don't have multiple options. So like, if you have Trey Lance and your season depends on Trey Lance being a starter, and you don't have your first-round pick, and you're planning to win this year, like, you're, you're not in a comfortable position. So I'd be, you know, I'd be reaching out to the Purdy manager and seeing if it's not going to happen, you know, it's not going to happen. But the Purdy manager would be pretty willing because the Purdy manager can't be that certain about their situation. And, like, I would be, like, if you have to pay that much more for, like, a Jared Goff than for a Brock Purdy... I'd rather just go with Purdy. It kind of accomplishes the same thing if Lance is one of your quarterbacks. I actually did that trade three days ago where I had a team with Lance. Um, I had a team, I had the 102, and we actually did the rookie draft today. So I picked Bryce Young. Um, but so You I picked Lance. Bryce Young 102? Yeah, I did. Oh, my God. <laughs> Who would you have picked in a rookie draft today? I thought I you were an Anthony Richardson guy. I'll draft Anthony Richardson at the 102. If he actually gets the draft capital that I hope he does in May, but I'm not drafting Anthony Richardson at the 102 in March. Is that because he's not very good. Yeah, that's okay, that exactly. Makes sense. Yeah, that's correct. It's because I'm not, not not super sure the NFL is going to click that button. Pretty sure, not sure enough. Okay. Anyhow, um, so I had Bryce Young, I had Trey Lance, then I had Desmond Ritter, and I don't know if Lance is going to start. I think Ritter's going to start, but that could end pretty quick. And I had Jared Goff on this team. So Goff was like my fail-safe QB2. 
and I traded the 108 and Goff and the 207 for the 106 and Purdy and the 306. And the logic was, especially pre-draft, I don't really care about the 207 to the 306, to be honest. Like, once we get out of the first round, we're kind of just shooting darts at that point. Um, 108 to 106, I see, is quite a big tier difference. I wound up drafting Jameer Gibbs at the 108, or 106, versus oh, 108 was Jordan Addison. 199. Um, yeah. Hey, and then Scott. I don't see a difference between Purdy and Goff in this scenario, to be honest. Oh. Like, the role of Goff... The role of Goff is just to like occupy QB2. Purdy can serve in that role. Point being, I'm open to buying Brock Purdy more than you are. At least I was I as of this morning before the announcement came out. He might get priced out of my range pretty quick here. I think that even if he never moved even a even a singular spot in ADP, I would not be interested in Brock Purdy because I view him as though, sure, he could play football at some point in his life. That could happen again. He's coming off a very serious injury that he didn't even get the normal procedure on, which just is like, I don't know anything about medical, but it, it just feels weird to me. And then furthermore, he has absolutely zero stability. Like if he doesn't play well, he's done. And I don't know that he played any better than like a Gardner Minshew did as a rookie. Like I think Gardner Minshew had a similar rookie season as Brock Purdy. And Gardner Minshew found himself as a backup as soon as he was no longer being good at football. And I think that's Brock Purdy's future. And I think even if we win, if Brock Purdy is the thing that we think he might, like, well, I don't think he's going to be. If he's the thing that you think he might be, not Matt Ryan, like the other thing, then it's just like, well, I'd rather just spend it on something else. Like, I didn't want to draft Mac Jones when I thought that's what he's going to be. And Mac Jones was the same price or less. Like, they're, they're right in the same ballpark. And then when you look at, like, the draft boards, it's like, what's the difference between Brock Purdy and Desmond Ritter? Really nothing. I'd rather have Ritter. And he's going a round or two later. And then I think you that's go another question. See, I think you can make the case either way on Purdy versus Ritter. But I'm, I mean, I am into buying Ritter. So, well, Ritter it has the same. Well, Ritter is probably going to start, and a Bur- Purdy is like, I, I don't think he's very likely to start. Okay, let's let's do this. So I didn't want to get into this because I thought it didn't matter. But let's just do it for fun. What percentage odds would you give each of Lance, Purdy, Darnold, and other? Of not being the week one starter, but being the, I don't know, do you want to call it the playoff starter, the week 17 starter? But like at the end of this season, their starting quarterback is what percentage Lance, what percentage Purdy, what percentage Darnold, what percentage other? 80% Trey Lance. Assuming assuming that they're all healthy at this point. Although I guess you don't have to do that because, okay, assuming that there are no injuries that we don't already know about. I'll put it that way. That's right. So, like, yeah, I you think can, it's like you can count, so you can count like Purdy's current injury, but like we're not counting. And like, Lance, Lance is coming off an injury too. And Lance, like, so they're only counting the injuries that we already know about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sam Darnold has Lance. a lot of injuries probably. He's very defective. So <laughs> keep going. those in mind. Uh, like I, I would, I honestly, I think if we're talking about who's going to start in the fantasy playoffs, I would say eighty percent Trey Lance. The like Trey Lance is going to have to be really, really bad to not start in the fantasy playoffs. Is my take on it? Oh, and and he could happened. be. I feel like you're as optimistic as you. It's more. It's more pessimism. You're not. Gonna like, I think you're not, not going to like my answer. Good. You're not I really like think my answer. I don't, isn't a good okay, I'm not even. I'm not going to just say that you're not going to like my answer. I'm not going to like my answer. I wish that I could be on here saying I had no worries about Trey Lance. And like in, from like a dynasty perspective, I'm I'll buy him. I mean, whatever it's the ceiling, but just from like a base case odds, 
at this point. Look, I'm rooting for Lance. I love Trey Lance. I think he seems like a dope guy. He was awesome at NDSU. That one year. I think I think that there's a 70% chance in the fantasy playoffs that Brock Purdy is the starter. Wow, that is a horrible. That's your worst take in the show history. We should get a sounder of some sort. And then I'll say, like, and then I'll say twenty-five. Per, I'll say twenty-five percent Trey Lance. I'll say five percent Sam Darnold. It's not Sam Darnold. Give him zero. <laughs> just, just knock that down to zero. <laughs> I just said that's a trigger. I'll say seventy thirty thirty Lance. No Sam Darnold. I, I can't believe you would be so wrong. So, so no, wrong. I'm actually going to say five percent Sam Darnold because the scenario where it's Sam Darnold is a scenario where Brock Purdy's elbow doesn't work. He has to get another surgery. Lance sucks, and then it's Darnold. All right, fair. That's terrible, 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 terrible. It's not. It's not Sam Darnold. The one ah, thing I am certain of is. Okay, it's give not me the hopium. I want. I want the last hopium. Give it to me. Give me the well, best case. I want this. It's a combination of of hopium and pessimism. We know that rookie year quarterbacks. Wow, that's like that's the, a banger. You want that's a banger. It's a combination of hopium and pessimism. There you go. That's there a good you one. go. It's it like really when we look at that's like episode title. People are like, oh, Brock Purdy is so like he was so good as a, he had a lower PFF grade than Baker Mayfield did as a rookie. And Baker Mayfield. Oh my god, give it up to Baker Mayfield. Well, it's the point is that it doesn't really fucking matter. Like we have lots of quarterbacks. Mac Jones had a higher rookie year PFF grade than Brock Purdy did. Like Brock Purdy's was pretty good, but we don't Trevor Lawrence's was fucking terrible. And he became really good. Rookie year performance doesn't really matter the quarterback because people are asking me about somebody just asked me about uh sophomore comps for rookies for quarterbacks mm-hmm. i was like i don't have any because the prospect grade is more predictive than anything i can find in year two to combine it with and i'm just i'm not going out over my skis on someone like brock purdy ever i'm just not gonna do it Gardner Minshew was the same damn thing he had mm-hmm. a really impressive rookie year and then it didn't matter at all because he wasn't that good and it like it would be different if Brock Purdy was like amazing. Like if Brock Purdy played like incredible, then I would be like, hey, maybe there's something here. But he was like good for a rookie. He wasn't like good for the NFL. If that makes does that make sense? I think that makes sense. So can you okay, can you explain? So like I agree with you, but for the people who might not have this outlook on Brock Purdy, can you just explain why you're making this case in terms of Brock Purdy was okay for a rookie but he wasn't actually that great because when you look at you know he did go eight no he wasn't an extraordinarily efficient offense like what how how are we going to say that brock purdy wasn't actually that great what are you basing that off of pardon me for, uh it's based for the on... record his, he, he, for the record he was ninth epa plus cpoe composite and if you look just at epa so... for play he was sixth what was Jimmy Garoppolo? He was third in EPA per play, and he was fifth in EPA per play composite. And for even more fun, if we just stay within the Shanahan coaching tree, Tua Tungavailoa was second in EPA CPOE composite and was second in EPA per play. So EPA per play, top six. It's actually pretty incredible. You have Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, the first three picks in Superflex Startups. And then the three Shanahan boys, Tagovailoa, Jimmy G, and Brock Purdy. 
And I believe Jimmy Garoppolo has always been quite good at those metrics. He like if you go back like and look at the last few years, he's especially really yards per attempt. He's like has like a career yards per attempt better than like fucking Peyton Manning. Yeah, the dude is is dynamite, or or he's just propped up by a system, which like it's possible that as, as uh, a football viewer, aren't you like really excited to watch Jimmy Garoppolo start an entire year outside of the Shanahan coaching tree? Like I just think from like a I think from like an interest in analyzing football perspective, that's one of the things I'm most interested in looking at this year is like, what does Jimmy Garoppolo do away from Shanahan? Yeah, I think he's going to be Derek Carr. And I think that's going to be not really all that exciting. And it's kind of going to be boring, to be honest. <laughs> uh, but like, yeah, so we have... Oh, shoot, I just closed. Kofi set, by the way, 11th in EPA for play. What a goat. Holy smokes, did you know Bailey Zappi <laughs> had like the same PFF grade? Did he actually? I guess so. I have it in my spreadsheet unless I made that up. I didn't even know he threw a pass. I thought he just handed off to Ramondre Stevenson every play. Kyle Allen, same same PFF grade almost. Almost to the T. I see where you're getting at. Uh here, I got I got all the um all of the guys that are not first round picks. This is including second rounders. Okay. PF, rookie year PFF grade. Okay. We have Russell Wilson far and away 87.7, whole nother universe. Like yeah. he he is head and shoulders above everyone. And then we have Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins with like 80. Pretty good. Like those yeah. are good NFL scores. And then we have Brock Purdy with 74, Bailey Zappi with 74, Kyle Allen with 74, Kirk Cut or uh sorry, did I say Kyle Allen? Yeah, Kyle Allen. Colt McCoy was 72. Cody Kessler was 71. Gardner Minshew was 70. Nick Mullins was 69. Like, nice. it's just, it's, yeah, it, was, it should have been Gardner at 69. That would have made a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I should, I, I, hey, Matt, can you back it us up for a second and let me, let me just fudge the numbers here for <laughs> Gardner Minshew? <laughs> but, like, like, it's just, it's just in a fine territory. Like, it, this isn't like, in my opinion, this isn't like telling us that this player is amazing. I think the other stuff that looks great probably looks great because he's throwing to Brian Ayuk and Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey, just like it looked great for Jimmy Garoppolo and probably will look great for Trey Lance if he ever gets to play football. And like, it's just, it's just not impressive to me, I guess is what I'm saying. It, like it's good from a rookie perspective, but it doesn't matter. Like the this just isn't in a isn't a it isn't erasing his profile. Yeah, and I I mean, how about this? I'll, here's my here's my Lance Hopium. Okay, and I don't have much left, but I want to try and talk myself into it. Here's where if I'm making the case for Lance. Okay, there's two avenues. Avenue one is he's actually just really good, which is like possible. I don't think that we can definitively say that he's not. Like we've seen him play four NFL games, and he's still really young. He's still younger than Will Levis today. He played one game where he wasn't a rookie, and it was in a monsoon. We have right. no idea if this player is good or not, and I, right. I think that's the biggest thing. For the me only is. wrong take on Trey Lance as a confident one. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think that's a good a good banger. We should we should roll out yeah. several times per episode, several times per day. Um, uh, no, what? I, here's the other avenue, though. Right, first of all, I want to say let's not preclude him just being good, but. In the event that he's actually just not that good, here's here's the other avenue, which is exciting, right? Brock Purdy, elbow injury, we talked about it. 
pretty easy to see a scenario where he's not ready to go by week one. Or he's like technically ready to go, but if Lance is good enough in camp, they're like, well, let's just give Purdy in a couple weeks. And like, if we believe that they view Purdy as a leader in the clubhouse, right? And we saw them give a bunch of money to Jimmy Garoppolo. We saw them keep starting Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, it seems clear to me that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch don't apply quite as much weight to their scheme and their supporting cast lifting everybody up as maybe we do, right? Like, they seem to be somewhat convinced that, oh, this quarterback, he's pretty good. And, you know, if Trey Lance is the one who starts off in that scheme and then looks really, really good, then maybe he just keeps playing. And for as long as he just keeps playing, then he's probably going to score a bunch of fantasy points. He's probably going to run. And then at that point, it's like, okay, well, whatever. You know, he, he doing the relay race, he got the baton, and he's still running with it, right? And that, that I think, is the other upside scenario you can talk yourself into, where if Lance is just okay, but he's able to get that shot from the injury, then he doesn't have to give it up, right? And uh, I think that there's definitely an outcome there that, that makes sense, right? Like, if unless he's just abjectly bad, like, he would – what if – the, the – the scary scenario is Trey Lance is like the CEH of quarterbacks. It's like every Chiefs running back is good except for CEH. What if every San Francisco 49ers quarterback is good except for Trey Lance? And they're like the two guys that got drafted like really high. Like that's 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 the nightmare scenario. Is if like somehow the 49ers stumble onto the one guy who doesn't make the thing go um, in the same way that the Chiefs did, which would be very ironic because they're like the Chiefs are like the one team that needs a running back talent the least. And the one time that they paid up for it, they got like the worst running back. <laughs> it would be kind of funny if the 49ers, the one team that doesn't need a quarterback, and then the one time that they paid up for it, they get the first fucking quarterback. <laughs> that would be we'll pretty see. funny. <laughs> yeah. That would be great. I think, um, what was I going to say? I think, like, I think, like, Trey Lance, if you consider him just a black box, like, we have no idea. We don't know if he's good. We don't know if he's bad. I think he's probably good because I think he was pretty good in college. And I think there's an argument to be made um, that even if he isn't actually like a good NFL quarterback, that he can still look good. Like, I think that's your argument is like, even if he isn't great, he could still look great. Right. Like, and, we don't think Purdy's actually good, but we think that if he gets the entire year this year, he'll probably look decent. Yeah. And I think when we're looking at uh, like kind of like a range of outcomes for Trey Lance, it's like, well, he would have to be like an. Zach Wilson bad level passer to like really bomb an opportunity here. And I just don't like the Zach will like the Zach Wilson bad level passing is really, really bizarrely uncommon. Like even like backup quarterbacks aren't that bad. Usually like Mike white, for instance, isn't that bad. <laughs> and you know, like, like it would take such an epically bad passing performance for Trey Lance to look actually bad in San Francisco that I just don't think that they'll ever be in that situation where they're like, yeah, we need to get away from Trey here. Like I think, I think what you said where it's like they maybe don't account for their own system and their own supporting cast support, like raising the quarterback ship as much as we do. I think they're falling prey to their own, like, you know, fallacy i don't know it's a fallacy but it's like a it's like an, a mistake where they're misjudging their own players talent based on the surrounding cast and the and the they also, like that's the thing is like they also just might not care right they might just look at it and be like hey 
We don't really know what Lance can be, but we saw Purdy. The offense was great. The offense couldn't get any better. We were leading the league in EPA, and so that's good enough. We're good. Maybe, maybe they just look at it that way. But if the injury comes in, like maybe that's where the injury matters. Is like if if the if it's just whoever starts in week one is going to look so good that they run with it, then maybe that matters more than I, I give it credit for. All right, I think it's probably a little bit of Lance optimism. This is good. I feel like happier going to sleep tonight than I did waking up tomorrow. Well, I, th- I think you're right. I think that whoever does start week one, like they have to be so epically bad that it will be like unimaginably bad. And I just don't think that Trey Lance is going to be unimaginably bad. And then the other thing too is like we are not dealing with robots here. These are people who made a decision mm-hmm. to trade three first round picks to go up and get Trey Lance. And if Trey Lance isn't terrible, what's the incentive to pull him? Right. <laughs> like, if he's looking like okay, and they're like, "Well, Brock could do this," it's like, "Well, then Brock is probably just going to like we're going to look like idiots if we put Brock Purdy in and he does the same thing that Trey Lance is doing when we spent three firsts on Trey Lance. If Trey Lance is doing fine. Why on earth would they like admit defeat on Trey Lance to go and put Brock Purdy in for like maybe an upgrade? Like it would have to be substantial, I think. Yeah. So I don't. Know. I'm, I'm right. just. And then on the other side of it, it's like from from like a dynasty perspective, Trey Lance is going to start somewhere. He's not going to not get an opportunity. Baker Mayfield's on his fourth team in one year, and he's been really <laughs> bad the last year. And he's probably he's he's Sam he Darnold's like, Darnold's competing for a starting shot this year. Sam Darnold's competing for his starting job. Like Trey Lance the, is going to get the only one of these start. guys. The only one of these guys who can't get a job is Carson Wentz because everybody hates him, and he still had three chances. Yeah, like I it, like he's just such a safe dynasty asset, in my opinion. That even, even if Josh even Rosen if, had a second chance to start, he just couldn't beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick in camp, and then he still got a chance in like week three, and then he was so bad they put Fitzpatrick back in, but he got a chance. Yeah, they like forced him to have a chance in week three. Yeah. Like they, they traded for him like a second round pick, which became Andy yeah. Isabella. They traded Andy Isabella for him, which is like an unsurmountable price. Like, can you believe they did that? But anyways, they did that. And then they went into training camp. They're like, listen, we're gonna give Josh Rosen every chance to start. And then they're like, actually, you know what? The guy who's played on 14 teams in the last 10 years, he's actually better. We're gonna go with him instead. And then like two weeks in, they're like, Oh, actually, he wasn't very good. Okay, Josh, come on in. They're like, oh, that was a huge mistake. Josh Rosen is awful. Put put the journeyman back in. Let's go. Like Trey Lance is going to get an opportunity. If, if if the 49ers are so foolish to start Brock Purdy, Trey Lance will get another chance. And yeah, his value may not ra- rise unless he actually is good, but he's going to get more chances. And that gives yeah. him a tremendous amount of security from a fantasy football perspective. And it's just not security for your roster. Like it's just you have to you have to just find other two quarterbacks who are gonna be playing games for you this year, and you have to treat Lance almost like a rookie pick. Like you have to treat Lance as like an additional speculative asset on your team who you might want to invest in, but you just you just can't construct your team's 2023 contention plans around him. No, if I have a team and it's a contender and I have Trey Lance as my QB2, I'm going to buy another quarterback. I, right. I'm making that move, it doesn't matter. If I am a contender and I have Trey Lance as my QB3 already, I'm just holding and and we'll let it ride and and see what happens. If I am a terrible team, like absolutely awful, and I don't have Trey Lance, I'm going to trade for Trey Lance because either A, he helps my team lose by not starting, or B, he's awesome and I just 
acquired an awesome quarterback for the f- fourth or fifth round pick or wherever he's at right now or wherever he's going to be at after this news yeah. sinks in. Like, there's really not a whole lot of play- – and, and, like, if I'm a mid-team, then I'm not a mid-team. Like, I don't have mid-teams. I have really, really, really good teams or I have teams that have been torn down to the core. And I just, I just don't really see the point in having a mid-team. But if I did, I'd probably just go and get Trey Lance anyway because, again, if he hits, great – I'm now a contender. And if he doesn't hit, great. I'm probably going to be vying for a, a high pick. And either of those outcomes are better than being in the middle. So I don't really see a scenario in which I'm not trying to get Trey Lance. Not quite as bullish, but I see the upside. You've talked me into it. All right, that's enough for tonight. We've sweat enough bullets. We will be back. I don't know when exactly, but we'll probably we're probably going to be just doing rookie content i think from here on out because we we need to talk rookies um it's march 27th today we'll probably have at least two episodes maybe three episodes before the nfl draft we will go through some of our pre-nfl draft takes we we already talked about the top six uh, a couple episodes ago but we have not talked much beyond that we're going to talk through running backs wide receivers the tight ends we've pretty much talked about all the quarterbacks except for like hen and hooker so i think Probably covered that. We should and, talk about uh, Hen and Hooker in the future, though. You want to talk about Hen and Hooker? You want to I give do. two minutes? All right. No, not right now. Not right Let's... now. In the future. Future show. Okay. That sounds yeah. good. All right. We will be back shortly for rookie content. Until next time. But just uh, so you Jacob, know, like, yeah. listeners, hold on. You can't sign off oh. yet. We are constantly doing rookie content, just so you know, in the Discord. Oh, that's a good point. Join us, patreon.com forward slash bulletproof FF. We're basically always in rookie <laughs> rookie content mode pretty much every single day. So if you are, you know, yearning for some rookie talk from us, hop in the Discord. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I will also be getting going on rookie content soon over at Thinking About Thinking, um, although I've definitely given my thoughts on some rookies in the Bulletproof Discord. You can also find the first two editions of my Market Principles of Dynasty series on Thinking About Thinking, and you can find my reactions to almost all, pretty much all of the relevant running back free agent signings. I went into detail about how I think they're going to fit with their new teams and what effect that could have for the teams that they left. Uh, I'll be coming out with the third edition in the market principles dynasty series i think this week and then by the time you're listening to this the show is probably already in your podcast feeds but if somehow this comes up quickly uh tuesday march 28th which is tomorrow at the time that i say this uh jj zacharyson the late round quarterback is coming on the full tilt fantasy podcast uh you'll be able to find that in your itunes wherever you find this podcast as well make sure to check that out we're going to be talking all about this rookie wide receiver class and about his uh, your two model for wide receivers and that'll be um if i had to guess probably last year that was our most listened to episode i think and i think we, we will probably hit that again this year people obviously uh want to hear jj's takes on things so um make sure to check that out check out the Substack. check out uh, the bulletproof discord check out everything enjoy your rookie content season that's all for me any parting words from you drew i have no parting words other than you should definitely not have brock Purdy on your roster rude oh you should trade for david montgomery right now every fucking week i actually don't mind that <laughs>